Hello everyone and welcome back to 2024. Yes, Knowing Wheel returns episode 153 of your favourite Formula 1 show. And now we can say goodbye to all of the Matt212 viewers. Yes, we're exclusively now here on the Knowing Wheel YouTube channel. There'll be a link down in the description below um, to Spotify and Apple playlists and all that good stuff. But we return once again, and I thought in a big, big shake-up ready for 2024. We've got a lot of plans, a lot of expectations, and things we want to do. Unfortunately, di didn't have the budget, though, to, to get a new co-host in. I I'm still joined uh, by Jamie183. How, how are you doing, my guy? I'm good. Happy New Year to you and everyone watching at home. And uh, yes, uh, back on our, our, own, our own channel, which is quite something. If, yeah, I feel like people will have... Uh, forgotten to be honest so if you're watching this on the knowing wheel channel go to matt's channel and spam his comments being like come and watch knowing wheel on the new channel please i'm sure you'll do that for us i'm sure you'll do that <laughs> for us um yeah we, we apologize podcasts obviously have been a little bit thin on the ground obviously over the last couple of weeks i mean let's be fair fairly quiet real life formula one season it's the winter breaks we're, we're, we're actually well into the depths now with the winter breaks we've only got what seven weeks before winter testing kicks off in Bahrain, which is kind of mad to think about. Mm, um, almost there, pretty much. <laughs> but there, there is a little bit of news to go through, and we thought today, as you know, we kind of set our eye... We, we, we want to kind of leave 2023 behind us, don't we, Jamie? At least based on F1. We, we kind yeah, of want to... So. We, we want to look forward to 2024. So what we've decided to do today is bring you guys a list of five drivers we think that are under pressure in 2024. But before that, we have got a few other little news pieces to go through, haven't we, Jamie? Yes. Uh, most Well, New Year's Honours is a thing in the UK, which is, you know, because our country doesn't really make sense. We just hand out random honours to people at New Year's Eve. Yep. Uh, so the King and the Royal Family has made Christian Horner a CVE, which means... I don't know what it means. It's not... Is it... A, uh, I can tell you've done your I, research. Yeah, I don't know. What you CBE you brought means, this news to the table. I I know that it's the worst honor out of the out of the three that most people get. So he's on his way. It's good. He'll be a sir one day, just like Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. We love it. We love it. <laughs> um, yeah, doesn't really mean much, but it's it's quite cool. I always like F one people being recognised in real in real life in separate outside of f1 life i mean to start 2024 that has got to be an awful first <laughs> segment <laughs> christian horn has been given an award we don't know what it's for it's not that great well but it's, it's nice it's that formula for, uh, one's been mentioned it's for services to motorsport in the uk i believe or something did, like that did you see as well to add to that ron dennis has also um really given an honor except for his is for charitable work so but again is that when he worked for mclaren honda recently well, he got kicked out pretty quickly, didn't he, in the McLaren Honda yeah. days? It worries me, Jamie, that that was almost a decade ago. Yeah. We are so yeah. old, it's so depressing. That is rough. Um, no one even knows what a GP2 engine is anymore. No, exactly. Exactly. And mo what worries me is how many of our viewers probably don't know who Ron Dennis was either. Um, <laughs> but, you know. That well, yeah. Never mind. He's not that relevant anymore, to be honest. He's not relevant so. at all anymore in Formula One terms. No. Um, uh, but the, the bigger news, the bigger news has got to be uh, Alfa Romeo, that is no longer Alfa Romeo, that is Sauber, that is State Kick Formula One Racing, does officially now have a Formula One name for 2024, don't they? 
Yes. Steak F1 team, which is proper dumb. It makes it sound like Jeremy Clarkson's meat car from the Grand Tour. Um, I, I think it's yeah. better than the other name they had running for a few weeks. What was... Oh, Steak F1 team kicks Alba. Yeah. It's I mean, that was that. always the chassis name, wasn't it? Or like the, the team entry. So it's it's... You know, they're just a title sponsor. I'm still going to call them Salva, probably. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, interestingly, last season, obviously, Steak sponsored Alfa Romeo. And uh, they they weren't allowed to have Steak on the car in certain countries for their betting rules, or gambling rules or something. So uh, there'll be certain races where they're not called Steak F1 team. They're just called Kick F1 team instead. Yeah, I, I mean... So that'll be fun. I, I don't think... It's gonna make much difference in the grand scheme of things for you know day to day viewers of the sport and that kind of thing. Like, I mean, this has definitely happened before in the sport because obviously Formula One and dodgy sponsors go hand in hand. But <laughs> I think I believe it's only four, maybe five Grand Prix that they're probably gonna have to be kick. But I think if if it showcases anything, it's just the insane amount of money that State can throw at things. Because let's be fair. Mm. This project can't really go anywhere. You know, it cannot be a long-term investment. There is no chance in a million years that, you know, a global motorsport brand like Audi would become Audi stake Formula One team. Because, of course, they don't want to be associated with that, I'm sure. Um, But it is kind of mind-boggling, the fact that stake can... Well, I mean, is it probably in the ballpark, do we reckon, of 80 to 100 million quid for a a two-season deal? Probably, yeah. And quite easily the, the, you know Alfa Romeo or sorry Stake now I guess we, or Sauber let's just call them Sauber, Sauber. it's easier isn't it <laughs> um, let's be fair I get the impression that all of the team's focus now is on the 2026 regs I mean we haven't done a predictions for next season or well, this season now I suppose um, so far but I would not be averse to putting them in last because I think all their focus now is going to be on getting Audi in and in good mm. footing, but they'll probably be bottom two for sure. Well, they were this year, weren't they? In the end, um, yeah. but yeah. it kind of feels like yeah, state can just kind of throw. I mean, it's good for the sport in one sense because, of course, Sauber might well have struggled over these next couple of years had yeah. state and not they've never been. They've never been super stable, well, apart from BMW, have they? Yeah, yeah. All they those even that only lasted yeah. a few years, exactly. So, yes, they've got a new name. They've had new names before. Sabo will always just come back because it always does. <laughs> Pretty much. It, it really does. Of course, unfortunately, we never really heard anything because there were rumblings, weren't there, last year that Alfa Romeo could sponsor Haas. But even that yeah. always seemed like a bit of a half-baked odd deal at the end of the day. Yeah, Alfa Romeo, their, their, their return to F1 in, since 2018 has been a, a little bit weird. Well, where they're kind of... Everyone bigged it up as this massive return because they won in the 50s, but it's really just a title sponsorship. And... Like they're not really back, they're not really. They don't seem to really care that they've been replaced, and they've not really tried that hard to stay. So, well, I think yeah. it's, it's bizarre, though, isn't it? Because of course they're owned by Fiat, which also owns Ferrari. Ferrari. So obviously it wasn't that you know it wasn't that Chrysler Corp or Fiat desperately needed another Formula One team or something like that to kind of mm. flex their muscles. And you said obviously about how they were trying to like build up the hype and that kind of thing. 
it seemed like it was only Alfa Romeo that were doing that because the rest of us knew that yeah. it wasn't really going to be, you know, it yeah, was, we it knew was Marcus never going to be. Wasn't the next Fangio. No, exactly, exactly. Very, very odd times. However, you know, they, they did give rise to Charles Leclerc. That's gone well, iffy, up to this point. Um, <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> I mean, I think. Harsh to say it hasn't gone well. I mean, yeah, I, I'd make the argument that potentially his first season was still his strongest in Formula One, or most impressive, easily. Uh, twenty twenty two was all right, wasn't it? Twenty twenty two was decent as well. And I mean, but go go back, Jamie, and watch his Brazil twenty eighteen qualifying effort. Yeah, it was car op. Ericsson out qualified him. No, he didn't. So Not in Brazil. He did. Ericsson qualified sixth. Did he? Yep. Oh, fair enough. Goat. Fair enough. Uh, had, well, there we go then. Hey, scrap that. Charlotte Leclerc's 2018 <laughs> season in the bin, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to kickstart 2024. Um, shall we get then, Jamie? Because this is going to be a fairly short podcast because you've got places to be, haven't you? You're, you're off travelling. I'm off to London at nine o'clock and it's currently 25 past eight. We love so it. There we go. <laughs> we love it. Um, Harry's the HS2 line. Oh, yeah, great. You, that made it here, didn't it? Are, are you, Cheers, government. Are, are you happy with that money? <laughs> well, I mean, when you get to London, you're going to be able to go on their nice new roads, aren't you, that they desperately need? Yeah, but they've re- restructured the, the money from HS2 up to North London. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be fair. It was always as far as HS2 was going to go. We, yeah. we, we love a little political political talk. Yeah, on that's enough politics are. for now. Um, <laughs> who, where, where do we start then, Jamie? We've got a list of five drivers that we think are most under pressure in 2024. Should we go from, like least under pressure to most if you feel you can order that in a certain way then be my guest well i think k mag is probably like i I just feel like he won't feel pressure at all because like he's just here to kind of mess around a little bit is he like well you know they're not gonna win a championship so (laughs) in that sense kind of obviously he didn't he had a pretty poor 2023 but what else could he do in that car, realistically? I guess he could get into Q3 ten times like Hulk did. But, yeah. I think they would have to have a, a genuine talent to replace K-Mag, I think. Ollie Behrman, 2025. Yeah. But then do you think K-Mag really would, would care about losing his seat at this point? Because, like... I mean, he's, he's, he's come back, back twice. I'd, I'd think so. Yeah. But, like, if it's a choice between driving around in 19th place... Or going home and raising a family. Well, I don't know. I feel like he wouldn't. He wouldn't be that averse because he's had a good run. I feel like he's he's done well to last this long. Well, he's got more podiums than his teammate, I suppose. Well, if you, yeah, the one race, his first ever race, and it's downhill ever since. <laughs> I I don't know. You you say that. I feel like. You know, in Formula One drivers often talk about this, don't they? That once they have kids, it kind of changes the way you drive and that kind of thing. Mm. I don't feel like K Mag thinks like that, though. Is the impression I get not not that well. not that he loves his kid any less than any other Formula One driver, yeah. um, but just you kind of get the sense that you know because I think it's that it's that thing, isn't it? At the end of the day, every Formula One driver, and I remember Jensen Button talking about K Mag exclusively. They get to Formula 1, they've dominated Junior Formula, and he said Kevin Magnussen basically came into Formula 1 expecting to dominate, because that's what he'd done, obviously, yeah. throughout Junior. Obviously, hasn't happened. Will never happen, because, bless him, he's Kevin Magnussen. Um, but do I get the sense that, you know, he'd not want to... Like, if he if has to turn around and went, oh, sorry, we're hiring someone else, he go, oh, no, that's a shame. I'm going to go home. <laughs> no, no idea. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Although, in 2020... 
You don't remember that much first being kicked up when he, that exact thing happened to him. <laughs> I mean, he went to IMSA though, didn't he? And had some fun in America yeah, for I a year. Yeah, I guess he had some other. I think he could go and do that quite easily. I think that's what, that's what he would do, I believe. I think he would yeah. go back to sports scales, yeah. whether that be World Endurance or IMSA. Because um, I guess if the thing is, if you think about drivers under pressure, you're always like, who is putting them under pressure? And for the Haas drivers, it's uh, Ollie Behrman, realistically. Or I guess you could throw... Um, Kimi Antonelli in there too. Merck Junior. Oh, is he Merck? Yeah, he's Mercedes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it probably is just Behrman to be honest. So you think if Behrman wins F two, for instance, or if he's top three, then he needs a seat somewhere, and it's probably one of the Haas seats. Yeah, I think it's. In which case, yeah, he needs. If Kimi wants to stay, he probably needs to beat Hulkenberg realistically. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's still a bit of reluctancy within Ferrari against putting... Because, let's be fair, Haas is not the place to host a junior driver, is it? And I, I think we, mm. we've mentioned this before for years, but like I know, I, people love Gunther Steiner and all this, that and the other. I would <laughs> say he's probably the worst team principal. I... He's, he's down there. <laughs> I just think, you know, he's hyped up because he swears on Drive to Survive a lot. He hasn't really delivered much with Haas, has he? As mm. we found, the first couple of years, oh, yeah, 2016-2018 were pretty good. But, but even 2018 was and 2016 were just off the back of having good Ferraris in 15 and 17. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it does beg the question, you know, will we see a shake-up within Haas in the future? And could Kevin Magnussen get lost kind of in that flurry? Um, I think the... the let's, let's segue over to him. I'm going to do this beautifully. Um, of course, you know, you mentioned there that Ollie Behrman could be a threat to the Haas seat. I feel that the other one, of course, sensibly that it could be a threat to has got to be that Sauber seat. And oh, Zhou yeah. Guan Yu is, I, you know, I know you're going to hate this, but Zhou Guan Yu is second on our list, isn't he? Because yeah. he's just not really kicking on, is he? Yeah, no, I completely agree, sadly. But uh, yeah, because he started 2023 pretty well. Like, he had a couple of ninth places in the first six, seven races which with the car was decent. And then second half of the season, I guess the car didn't really help and Bottas didn't really score that many points either. With the exception of Qatar, yeah. But then Joe finished right behind him in Qatar. No, exactly. Well, so, you know, that's what I meant, both yeah. of them. But then the they just drowned in the whole middle of the season. So, yeah, I just think 2025, Teo Porcher will be in one of those seats. Yes. I'm, I could almost certain of it. So... Yeah, who who do they replace? I think, to be fair, it's probably a straight fight. I think whoever wins the championship battle probably keeps their seat and out of Bottas and Joe. Who would we suggest wins that championship battle? Well, probably Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you never know, because like, Joe started 23 pretty much on a par with Bottas. He just got worse as the season went on. So if he can just kind of reset, find out like where he was going wrong, what he was doing right at the start of 23 maybe and obviously if the car's pretty poor like it's less about points and more about performances isn't it so if he can you know out qualify start to out race more then then suddenly it could be okay but yeah i do think that joe is unlikely to be driving for salva in 2025 but is that your big controversial statement is it he's probably got options or an option somewhere else. <laughs> Being? I'm intrigued. I I mean I still think it goes to Williams in twenty five to be honest. Really? Do you not yeah. do you not think, you know, a Kimi Antonelli could be there? 
not in 25. It's too too soon. Well, he's remember, Jamie. There's a car reset in F2, and it's Prima. Yeah. Prima on the first yeah. year of a car reset is probably going to wipe the floor. Um, I just think that Joe is a step up from Logan Sargent, and Joe Joe and Kimi Antonelli uh, might be a step up from both of them. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I think Alfa Romeo have kind of really got, or Sauber, sorry, even I should call it. This is going to take forever to get used to. It's going to take a while, yeah. Sauber kind of have really got two options, don't they, in 2024, it feels like. If Bottas is kind of thinking, eh, I might give it up at the end of the year. I might, I might just go cycling permanently or make more calendars, whatever Bottas wants to do. <laughs> do you kind of aim to steer Zhou Guan Yu into a potential lead driver that means if you bring in an Ollie Behrman next year, or if you bring in a Teo Porsche next year, you have got a driver there that can kind of be trained in by Joe, or mm. of course replace Joe instead, and obviously then get that training, because Bottas, let's be fair, has been a number one to Joe Guan Yu, has helped him out and embedded him in that team. Or well, he's not done a great job. As we mentioned as well, of course, you know, Alf Sauber the next couple of years aren't going to matter in the long term. I think, you know, they could be very much sacrificed. Do we get to the end of this year? Bottas kind of goes, yeah, I'm thinking about giving it up. And they go, right, Bottas is going, Joe, you're out. Teo Porcher, we'll, we'll put our future star in and we'll give Oli Behrman the run as well. Do 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 they put two sure. rookies in for the final season of a regs, regs cycle? And Has that happened? Has that actually gone well since like 2015, having two rookies? Um, well, the only real example we've got is what? 2021 <laughs> Haas. Yeah. Um, but again... You I know, just think rookies these days are so much to learn about, learn about F1 that you... But my, like, my point it's, is... It's the blind leading the blind, isn't it? <laughs> but I think my point is with that, of course, if it's the last season of a reg cycle, the team know a lot more about how to set up the cars. If it's the last mm. year of a reg cycle when you've got a huge manufacturer coming in anyway next year doesn't really matter too much if you can just get those drivers prepared to potentially you know either lead or obviously have that funding for a year or two or of course get dropped to the end of that year and go elsewhere you know if that's a you're in the ferrari program it could you know could that be in 2026 you see a swap because of course we've heard all these rumors that audi quite interesting carlos Sainz to lead the team you know could that be a swap between behrman and Sainz potentially down the line could be. There's, Could there's be. a lot of kind of you know. Do you sort of play 2024, 2025 ready for 2026? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think personally, I think it was probably a straight fight, Bottas and Joe. So they're going to both be under pressure to some extent. But I guess whoever starts the season better will feel slightly more comfortable. Um, and then yeah, poor chairs in one of those seats in 25, and whoever wins gets the other one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's there's kind of a lot of will they won't they isn't there around that team? Obviously, you mentioned though uh, that Joe Guanyu, you know, you think he could be off to Williams. I think that'll be Kimi Antonelli, but there we are. Um, that does though lead us nicely into our third driver, doesn't it, Jamie? Which of course is Indeed. Logan Sargent. Yes, and yeah, we saw all one of the big narratives at the back end of twenty three was. Williams kind of waiting for Sargent to do something before they confirmed his seat. So, because you saw all throughout, they, they really wanted to have him. They wanted to extend his drive. But he just wasn't really doing anything to warrant getting it for a long time. Until right at the end, he obviously got points in Kota, but that was fairly 
fortunate. And got um, a bit screwed in Vegas. People do forget Vegas was probably his best drive mm, of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was unlucky not to not to do slightly better there, but he still lost to Albon quite comfortably. So, yes, I think he definitely is under pressure because he only officially got confirmed after the season finished. Um, and, yeah, if he doesn't kick on, then he's probably on the chopping block, to be honest. He has to out-qualify Albon at some point in the next 23 races, doesn't he? Um, 24? 24 races, 24. Jamie, come right, on. Okay. Unless he's got to do it before Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, realistically, probably the next 17 races to get a seat. <laughs> but, um, yes, I, I don't know. I, I'm not blown away by Logan Sargent in Formula 1, to be honest. Yeah, so. I, I think mm. it, again, uh, I, I'm going to mention his name again. I think it could be a question of maybe not because I you mean let's be fair Albon people kind of remember him for his failed time against Verstappen but he's a pretty good driver outside of that like he's he's, he's, high, he's driver, highly though. rated at the end of this year you know he did a lot of good work with Williams but I he's d- not in the top six or seven I don't, he's probably I, top 10. yeah but that's still not bad going for yeah. a driver that's still kind of on yeah, a rebound yeah. finding his but feet it's not an Alonso Verstappen whitewash. You know? Oh, no. It's, it's an Alex Albon whitewash. So yeah. it's like, how bad are you? <laughs> yeah, I I think, you know, if there's a Formula 2 driver that has a really, really good campaign next year, and whether you're a Mercedes or a Red Bull, or even less likely, but potentially a Ferrari, you know, could you be knocking on Williams' door? Could you be saying, you know, you've got Logan Sargent, you know, he brings this and that to your team, and like we get it, he's one of your juniors. How does twenty million sound? Lob, <laughs> lob this kid in next year. I think, depending on how well he does next year, that would be quite a decent offer for Williams. Yeah, and I think James Vowles has got a sensible head on him, so probably he's is going to be pragmatic, and and you saw like. I have no doubt that Williams wants Sargent to do well, and they clearly they clearly are giving everything they can to help him do well. But it just wasn't quite coming towards the latter, like until the very very end of the season. They they didn't feel like they could extend him because he wasn't good enough. So did something change in three weeks? I don't know. But if he if he starts well, he'll be absolutely fine. But I just worry that he has a couple of crashes like he did this season. And then suddenly you're in a European season, not scored any points, your teammates smashing it, and you're just kind of drowning. Yeah, I, I think it's the early season, I think, is going to tell the story, isn't it, with Logan Sargent. Either he'll kick on and, you know, not, you know, he, he's, I don't think sensibly it's fair to expect him to beat Albon, you know, two weeks in every five or something like that. But I think if he can get close to Albon, you know, Make it into Q2 a bit more often. Say an Albon makes it into a Q3, he lines up 11th or 12th here or there, that kind of thing. You know, potentially snookers away a couple of points or is close to a couple of points. Even if he's, you know, running in the points and has an unlucky strategy call or something like that. Yeah, people see that. (laughs) People will see that and notice. Um, But I think it's going to really have to be, you know, put the work in over the winter, get yourself ready for the start of the year, put the hours in during pre-season testing, and try and kick on from there, otherwise you're on Learn a very, a very slippery is. slope. Exactly. Learn what a kilometre is. Um, number four then, Jamie. I am going to go out on a limb. I think I've said this before. Is genuinely the driver that I think could get dropped from their team mid-season. 
<laughs> it's Sergio Perez. Yes, and this narrative, this drummer's been beaten an awful lot in 2023. But similarly, with the, the seat thing, if you look at those four Red Bull seats, or Alf Tauri's, Liam Lawson is like chiseled on to be in that team in 2025. Well, he's been opinion. promised it by Red yeah, Bull. Yeah, I pretty much think he's been guaranteed it because of how well he did in, in the, the substitute appearances in 2023. So if Liam Lawson's in one of those seats, obviously Verstappen's not going anywhere. You've got one Red Bull seat and two Alpha Tauris. Sonoda is not a long-term future there, but I don't think they'd drop him. I think he's off to... Aston Martin eventually. Honda allegedly give Rebel quite a sweet deal for Sonoda. Yes. Well, and free unbranded engines, so great. Um, and then you've got obviously Daniel Ricciardo and Sergio Perez are the other two. One of those two won't be driving in 2025 for Red Bull. Is that the call? Oh, for Red Bull or in, inside in either mind, of those teams? For for Red Bull. Right. Okay. But I think I think both would. I mean, think I think Perez would find it easier to find another seat. Ricardo, I don't think I don't think anyone else would pick him up really. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so it's like it's a, almost a straight shootout, but it's a bit unfair because they're in different cars. So, yes, I I don't know. I it's in Perez's hands, like it was all of twenty three, really. I if he's just normal, exactly. If he just drives properly and doesn't get eliminated in Q two or Q one, like six weeks in a row then he'll be fine. But then at the end of last season, it was it was rare to see him on the podium, which is ridiculous when your teammate's winning 19 races. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is the big thing, isn't it? it? It feels to me at the moment like Red Bull are desperate, desperate, not necessarily for a big reason, but more a big excuse to get Daniel Ricciardo back in that Red Bull. You know... I, I think they're really, really hoping um, that, you know, they, you know, whether, not hoping's probably strong, but they won't shy away from the idea that if Perez has a bit of a stinker to kickstart next year, I've, I've gone on the record before and saying he could be out of that drive before Monaco. And I do <laughs> genuinely believe that could happen if he has a poor showing at the start of next year, you know, and I think honestly the worst case scenario is if other teams are closer to Red Bull. You know, if Max and can I think still, they have to be. I think they will. I hope they will. Um, but I think you know, if Max can still kind of, you know, what's that round seven of the year? If Max has rattled off sort of four or five wins by that point, and say Checo's behind a Lando Norris, behind a Charles Leclerc, behind a Hamilton or a Russell in the championship as well, mm. I think it could very quickly be off to AlphaTauri. You can rot out the rest of the season. You can find your own drive for 25, go wherever you like. You know, whether that ends up being an Audi for 2026 or whether he calls it a day. Um, I just, the, the impression I get at the moment and the way kind of Red Bull politics works, I just really think that they're not, not like got him pushed up against, you know, the, the edge of a cliff ready to push him. But. <laughs> are more than happy to, say, expect Augusta Wind. Yeah, I don't know. I I think... I genuinely don't think Ricardo would do any better. Nor do they... I. I. I never suggested that either. I think Which, it would sell a lot of t-shirts, I think is the point. It would sell a lot of t-shirts and caps. But then are you really... Like, your point of being... If Red Bull aren't 
aren't, aren't dominant anymore if they're, if they're close to other teams. Is swapping Perez for Ricardo really going to help that? Probably, uh, I don't think so. So, <laughs> like, if it's performance-based, then they might as well just keep Perez. But if it's if they are, I think it's more likely to get swapped if they are dominant ridiculously and Max is winning every race and Perez is finishing fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah. I but he probably yeah. has to mess something up. That's the thing. It's a bit like Kvyat. If he beams it a couple of times, that kind of thing. Yeah, going into 2016, you could tell that they wanted Verstappen in that car. Oh, yeah. Kvyat. I, I read but a they brilliant article. Sorry, they, carry they on. They couldn't swap Kvyat. Yeah, they, yeah. they couldn't swap Kvyat until he messed something up. So... First time he did, they got rid of him. I I say I was just, I read a brilliant article uh, last week from Danny Kvyat talking about that. Do you know going into that Chinese Grand Prix, he was actually in talks with Ferrari to replace Raikkonen for seventeen, mm. and then took both then he, cars out he twice, took both them out <laughs> and then stood by it. <laughs> and Ferrari were like, yeah, get in the bin, and so were Red Bull. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's the thing at the moment. It just feels like there's. Not obviously not the same kind of momentum as it was to get Verstappen in that Red Bull drive years ago, but I feel like there is a bit of a push within Red Bull at the moment. Going, well, we'll get Danny Rick back in. You know, he's great marketing. Because let's be fair, you know, there's a core of people that like Max, but outside of that, there's a very very big group that dislike him and dislike Red Bull. Dislike Red Bull. And you kind of think, well, you get the smiley Australia back in, people will like you again, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, potentially. Yeah. It'll be, yeah. Uh, Red Bull are like the pantomime villains, really, aren't they? So They are. And they're, they're quite happy to, to have that face in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do feel like... Um, uh, yeah, some they're they like the Sith, basically. <laughs> there you go. That's your, that's your quote of the week. Red Bull are like the Sith, according yeah. to Jamie 183. <laughs> They're going to blow up a planet in a second. Probably. Probably. Um, final one then, Jamie. It's not quite in the same context as all the others, because I don't think he'd get dropped or anything like no, that. No, there's no imminent threat to that seat, I don't think. But he's certainly under pressure for different reasons. That has got to be George Russell. Yes. Very poor in 2023 I, I think very like, poor is strong poor yes not very yeah poor poor below average like a maybe a 5 out of 10 so not great not great from him but it's not pressure in the same way because yeah Mercedes are not going to drop him we'll go on a record and say that George Russell will be driving for Mercedes in 2025 the thing that he's under pressure about is Lewis Hamilton's got maybe three three or four years left after Hamilton retires, Mercedes have got a decision of who to hire as a second driver. Kimi Antonelli. Do they hire... Well, Kimi Antonelli maybe is ready by then. Should be. Should be. But if he doesn't kick on as hard as people think he will. Like, if you're thinking, do we keep Russell as the team leader? Or do we go and hire a Charles Leclerc, who probably beats George Russell? Max Verstappen? Max Verstappen. Do I get say definitely it? beats George Russell. Do I do I say that? Yes, do it. What Verstappen or someone else? Yeah, yeah, no Verstappen. Yeah, I think Verstappen could could uh, he'd have to, like obviously Red Bull would have to drop the boil a bit, drop the ball a bit. Um, and Mercedes would have to pick it up to 2014 to 16 standards. But yeah, I don't know if Russell carries on the way he carried he started in 2023. Are they going to be happy with him leading the team? I don't think so. I, I Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it, with George Russell? 
because it, it's kind of like that meme. I, I think you, you've probably seen it around as well. Of like that boxer, isn't it? Going like, oh yeah, I'm gonna beat him up, yeah. and then he goes, damn, he got hands. Damn that, he got hands. <laughs> and it's kind of like Russell, you know, spent three years. I'm waiting for all the Polish fans to go. But Kubitsch has scored more points in nineteen. <laughs> yeah, um, Russell still had an average out qualifying performance of about a second over Kubitsch. Yep. And then, and then Spacey the spent two years beefing Nicholas Latifi, which go, woo, great. And obviously did that one race with Merck in 2020. He was like, he be, he, you know, he was going to beat Bottas. This is this is the next coming. But he didn't beat Bottas. No, but he was going to. He should have. <laughs> in the same way he was going to beat Kubica over the course yeah. of that season. But then he's gone up against Lewis Hamilton. And 2022, you know, we, we've said this so many times, 2022 was fantastic. But we know the story behind... You know, obviously Hamilton had come off the back of 21, was trying all these things with the car, everything like that. And he was basically the first seven races of 2022 that Russell built a margin. And then Hamilton started taking points back out of him again between then and the end of the year and was usually better. George was then kind of carried by taking that win in Brazil, which had Max not taken out Lewis. Well... If Lewis could have given Max a bit of space. He didn't need to. Um, (laughs) Max Max had no intention of making that corner, and you know it. Um, Wow. (laughs) Lewis, I I think it's fair to say, not definitely would have won that Grand Prix, but would have absolutely had a very good opportunity at it. 2023 came around. Lewis, you know, I'm not going to suggest it's prime Lewis, but hungry. That must be said. Hungry was quality. I Mm. I think he was enjoying 2023 a lot more. And that yeah, showed in the points. The point, the car just stopped working for him. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, overall, Lewis had a way, way better year. Like, Russell finishing eighth in that car, which probably wasn't the fourth fastest car over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, not the best. Not the best from Georgie. But, uh, yeah, I think Lewis is still the team leader. I think Lewis knows that he can put George at an arm's length if he needs to. And Usually, there are there are occasions yeah. still where George Russell absolutely looks like he can lead Mercedes, but it's how do we get him in this position where you feel like he can do that week in week out, you know? And it's mm. not a question of trying to beat Lewis Hamilton week in week out because he's a seven time Formula One world champion, you know. You're not going to be quicker than Lewis week in week out. I think unless he's really, really, you know, kind of early forties, kind of accepting, you know, I've come to the end of my contract. That's me done. But I think the thing is for George, isn't it, is he should probably be far close to that number one role now. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Merck had originally planned, you know, whether it was going to be Lewis gives it up at the end of 24 or whether they they planned in such a way that had Lewis decided to give up at the end of 24, that would be okay. It just doesn't seem to be happening for Russell, does it? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Right now, if Lewis called it quits, they would hire a first driver, I think. And that says it a lot about George Russell. I not necessarily straight away, but I feel like they could be finding themselves in a position very soon mm. where they need to. You know, whether that's you get a Charles Leclerc or a Max Verstappen in. And then you kind of feel that George Russell would probably end up trying too hard and looking even worse. Yeah. Um, you know, makes mistakes, that kind of thing. I think Russell's very, very lucky that he's still in the environment he's in. Because let's be fair, I think Lewis doesn't really worry about the pressure of having him alongside him. No. And it is quite hard to judge George Russell still because his only ever teammates long-term have been Latifi and Lewis Hamilton, which is kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, yeah, most drivers have had numerous teammates and they're all kind of middling. Whereas his teammates, one of them's the greatest driver of all time, the other one's Lewis Hamilton. So. <laughs> I genuinely was ready to get that clipped then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, he is a hard driver to judge, but he does need a good 2024. Definitely more than two podiums. Can he grab a race win if Mercedes are good? Who knows? I think he. I think Merck have got to be eyeing up wins this year. You know, again, it will depend on what Red Bull do at the start of the year, and it will depend where McLaren are at. But I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we could see four teams win a race next year. This year. I, I'm Why building up the hype. I want to believe... Throw in Aston Martin? No. No. Red <laughs> Bull, Red Bull uh, McLaren, Mercedes and Ferrari, Jamie. Aston, Ma- Aston, Aston Martin, Martin are going to well. be back with LP next year. You've heard it Alonso's first. winning a race. Oh, there you go, Jamie. Get, get, let's say that again. Get it clipped. 11, 11 years since his last win. Number 33 is coming for Fernando Alonso. Wonderful. We, we, love, we love to see it. <laughs> um, have we got anything else to add, though, Jamie? It's been a rather rambly start to 2024, but we absolutely love it. Yeah, I think we've, I think we've smashed it. Has anything happened in the Twitter sphere? since Or the, the, the X-sphere, I suppose, name? Not that I can see. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you all. Yep. As we'll struggle for a podcast next week, by the way. We, uh, yes, yeah, Jamie. Where, where are you off after London? <laughs> uh, Switzerland for a few days. Wonderful. So, you see, he's got the life of very, Riley. He's got the life very of Riley. Middle class. Um, yeah. Middle class, behave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Going for a ski holiday. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, obviously, if you aren't already, please do make sure you get yourself subscribed to the channel. As obviously Jamie and I mentioned, we're going to push it more this year. Um, but if we reach 10,000 subs here on Knowing Wheel, we are going to be doing a 24-hour challenge of trying to get to every <laughs> European-based factory in Formula 1. So we'll start in Maranello and we'll try and drive home. Um, but yeah, thank you all as always so much for listening. Uh, like I said, drop a follow, everything like that. Follow all the socials and we'll be back uh, maybe very soon, maybe not so very soon uh, with, with more Knowing Wheel.